bringing you Grassroots Matters interviews with our host, Sally, from Grassland Nutrition, and special guests and collaborators on the topic of nutrition, and more. All right, let's dive headfirst into this episode. Hi, it's Sally from the Grassland Nutrition team. Thanks for joining. Today, I'm talking to Peter Defty of Vespa Power Products, who has pioneered a highly successful OFM program or optimized fat metabolism program for athletes that is also applicable to anyone seeking to improve their metabolic health. Peter is very knowledgeable and he's passionate about his work and the key findings. Dive into the podcast. If you could summarize your role, um, please, for me, Peter, as the general manager of Vespa uh, Power Products, that would be great. All right, cool. Yes, Sally, welcome. Uh, thank you for having me on the podcast. And my name is Peter Defty, and I'm the general manager of Vespa Power Products. And we import and support and develop a product called Vespa, which is a naturally occurring peptide that we get from the Asian giant wasp, commonly known as the murder hornet. Uh, and it's an, it's an accidental discovery of nature. And this peptide actually triggers your body to metabolize fat at a much higher rate. When I say metabolize fat, I don't mean just burn fat. It'll also allow you to metabolize fat to make it into glucose if the metabolic need is such that you require more glucose. So it's, a, it's an amazing peptide I've had now ongoing. I was introduced to it in 2006, so 17 years of, of using the product. So it's it's pretty amazing. And I got involved with the company in 2007, uh, purchased an equity stake in 2008, became the point man for the company then. And uh, it's been a, it's been a very interesting journey because when I did that, um, let me back up. When I was first exposed to Vespa, I was already had already been doing fat adaptation very empirically for about six years. Mm -hmm. uh, started with my first bonk in a marathon in 2000. I thought this carb loading is crazy, and so I, I started as a as a scientist or somebody with a biology degree from university. I just it didn't make sense to me, and so I started tinkering with it. So when I was exposed to Vespa in 2006. You know, I thought, well, this makes sense. You know, it helps you turn your fat. I, little did I know that everything I knew was wrong because that's the expert, the quote unquote experts say you need carbs. So, um, like I said, I became the point man for Vespa in 2008. And it's been a very interesting ride because when I started this as my day job and my livelihood, I realized I found out really quickly that I didn't know what I was talking about. <laughs> that that this whole idea of fat metabolism wasn't viable for sport, et cetera. But I knew, I knew from my own experience and I knew from my biology degree that that was not the case. But I tried to, I, you know, I had to start to kind of go into use my use my university biology and start reading and researching and thinking and really start to work with the athletes who came over to us to, to use the product, who were open to trying the product. They were either open to trying, there was a few early adopters who were just open to it. Yeah. There was something new and they, they, they just were 
most jurors do, but most of the people we got were actually people who'd run out of options because, you know, the, the, the carbohydrates and more carbohydrates, they were just wrecking themselves and nothing was working. So they were desperate. And so they, they were open to the heresy. Mm. So, yeah, it's been so I've been doing this since 2008 as a full time uh, professional calling uh, because that's what it's turned into. And we, we'll talk about that at some point. Um, and so that's that's the experience. So I've had got 15 years now in the saddle and I don't I don't plan to quit. I don't have an exit strategy. This is this is what we do. Um, we're we're pushing the boundaries of human health and performance yeah okay based on that can you tell me how you actually how you take the product okay yeah it's so you basically as far as the product's concerned you you shake it and take a full pouch anywhere from 20 to 45 minutes before exercise and if you're going to go out for longer what you know physical activity i would say physical activity um if you're going to go out longer, you would use it every two hours um, after the start of physical activity uh, for endurance type stuff. But um, in doing so, it shifts your body to metabolize more fat. And what that does is it it reduces the oxidative stress and lactate load of burning sugar. Right. And so the more you can do that, the less cellular stress, the less damage you're doing to your cells, your cell wall, your mitochondria from, from that oxidative stress and lactate load. Because burning sugar is a lot, burning a lot of sugar is not a good thing. Uh, and it has it has huge amounts of what I would term as unintended consequences. Yeah. 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 Okay. All right. I'm going to um, ask you now um, to give me your key, key learnings with the expertise that you've built in these last, 15 years and and as a pioneer of of Vespa you know your real belief in in the products um you're using them um day to day uh you're experimenting with them you're using athletes um um that are using them as well as a as a test bed um you're you're kind of a real kind of innovator of these fat adapted um health performance that that is the kind of umbrella uh, while using the products as well yeah yeah and and that includes you know the grassland nutrition liver kelp product so it will that's part of the whole thing it's like you know as much as i believe in vespa and you know see the results not just in my own use but with the athletes we work with and our past history it's it's not a one-trick pony it's not a magic bullet it's a it's a fabulous product but it's one tool in the toolbox and so um this is where what happened was like i i've been that's what got me onto vespas i was already doing fat adaptation very empirically didn't really know but i just knew that this carb loading and carbs all the time was just was insane. It just didn't make sense to me. It's insanity when you think about it. In fact, when I was, I, I've done a little bit of research and we're going to have a, a bit of a campaign coming out here, but basically in a six month lead up to an Ironman or a, a hundred mile or hundred K ultra, if you're following the conventional advice, yeah. it amounts to 155 pounds of sugar is what you're going to consume in six months. 
So basically an athlete will consume their body weight in sugar, concentrated carbs, because your body looks at concentrated short forms of carbohydrates as, as glucose. So blood sugar. So a good visual for that for people is just sugar. So, and it's not that much better for a marathon or a half Ironman. So that's 130 pounds of sugar in six months. So, so, you know, I, I, you can convert that to kilos, but it's, it's a lot of, it's a lot of sugar to on this, you know, idea that you need to consume hundred or 200 calories an hour, and then 60% of your macro in your diet has to be carbohydrate. Now I'm not saying, so like if you take out, so let's just use that 155 pound number, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So say you take, I say, I'm going to round it down to 150 pounds just to make for easy math. Okay. So say, say you take out a third, that's 50 pounds you've just removed, right? Say you take out half of it, that's 75 pounds. Say you take out two thirds, that's a hundred pounds of sugar you've removed, but you still have 175 or 50 pounds left to use strategically what we call strategic carbs, right? To, to, to use, to get that performance edge. Cause you know, if you have a hundred pounds of sugar left or 75 pounds of sugar left or 50 pounds of sugar left for six months, does that sound like a keto or a low carb diet? Absolutely not. Right. And our bodies can digest that. So yeah. Um, what I, what I, so what I found is that the whole approach to fat adaptation is very complex. It's not like the, the carb thing works because you give people a lot of carbs. They have to, their bodies literally have to dispose of those carbohydrates immediately. Otherwise you die. That's why type one diabetics, if they have a big bolus of carbohydrates, they have to titrate themselves with insulin or else they'll, they'll literally, literally go into a diabetic coma. So your body has to do that. And if you're not active, it, stores it as fat or it glycates it. There's all these processes your body does to deal with it. But yes, carbohydrates work well for sure as a fuel source, but so your body can burn them off very well if you're exercising. So that's how that all came about. And it's, you know, it makes, it makes that performance, but the unintended consequences long-term are just, it's like I tell people, it's not a question of if you're going to have a problem. It's when in what form. If you're just if you're just constantly training or exercising, and you're doing the the recommended dietary practices of sports science, uh, and even the standard diet. You know, you're in Australia. I'm in the United States. We're not known for the best diets, right? You know, and, and another thing is just getting too many calories. I mean. It, at the end of the day, you still have to be in, in, in energy balance because otherwise your body's either going to store it or burn it off or, or something. It's got to do something with all those calories. So what, what took me on this journey was when I made Vespa my day job, I, it quickly became supporting these athletes because the approach we were doing was just completely 180. At that time, it was when carbs were raining. It was when Louise Burke was saying, uh, you know, Louise Burke, the famous nutritionist in Australia, she's one of the top nutrition scientists in the world. She was saying, we got to put the, the nail in the coffin on this whole fat fueling thing. And Chris Carmichael was saying, it's all about the carbs. I mean, there's no room for fat. 
And I, me, I didn't know because I wasn't in the business in the research circle. So I was working, you know, I was like just starting this thing on my own, had, having no idea that what I was doing was a, completely against the, the grain, pun intended. <laughs> um, I like and, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we start. I started to to look at this as a way to okay, get your base fueling done. And that's the thing. If you look at it from an evolutionary, if the audience steps back from the current viewpoint and looks at it from and just considers an evolutionary biology standpoint, the reason we all store a lot of fat on our body is because that's our stable energy source. That's our aerobic energy source, plain and simple. And the reason we only store limited glucose as glycogen is that's our fight or flight. And it's a very robust, that, that glycogen storage is very robust when it's used the way evolution developed it to be used for fight or flight, those momentary bursts, right? Um, so that's what, you know, it's it's a multifaceted approach and there's, there's just so many facets to it. So how do you want to, unpack all this I'm, I'm more than happy to talk i just want to do it in a way that makes sense for you and your audience yeah yeah sure um you know it'd be really useful to um have maybe um a couple of examples of um how you've come to work with the athletes that you work with uh, when they've been carb loading and they've been experiencing you know detrimental factors not only to their health but the, to their performance and they've come to your um, OFM method. Um, if you could talk to the kind of time frame and what you've seen, you know, yeah. what kind of symptoms that they've come in with and, and how, how they've benefited, um, from, from your methods and then maybe lead in to, um, to this method that you've created that's working really well. And I know that you've worked with hundreds of athletes. Yeah, probably, probably reached out to thousands now, but, um, you know, directly probably, yeah, close to a thousand athletes. Well, like I say, when we look at that evolutionary model, it makes total sense that we're supposed to be burning fat as our aerobic energy source. And what happened to me in 2008 when I made this my day job was a couple of my early adopters were what are known as ultra runner pukers because they would be, you know, they had the energies up and down, but they were just they, every race they would puke. I mean, it was and multiple times. And I started to work with these people and, and the Vespa, of course, really made a huge difference because they could cut their calories way back. And so their risk of having GI issues went down. But then I started to look at this and really dive into the textbooks and the physiology and think about it. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, this is and this was my early epiphany working with people like John Olson, who went on to be the. I can't remember what year it was, but he went on to be the, the ultra running 24 hour world champion. Right. I, I mean, he, he was able to compete at the highest level and win. And he was a, he was the, he was my first early adopter because he was puking all the time. He said, Peter, you don't understand. It wasn't, I, I used to be terrified going into a race because it wasn't a question of if I was going to, my stomach was going to go out. It was just, would it throw my race or not? Yeah. And, and so um, and he was sent to me by my friend, uh, Paleo Paul Charteris or Kiwi Paul, who's the founder of the Tarawira, uh, ultras. He's in New Zealand, but he was, he's a great guy. He said, you, you need to help this guy. Cause, cause he's really talented. So 
when I started looking into the textbooks and physiology books, I, I saw like, oh my God, all these people are just destroying themselves on a, on a large level long-term by fueling with all this sugar. Because one of the biggest, imp one of the biggest things that athletes face is they get, as their hormonal balance gets shifted off by, by all those carbs, they get energy swings. But then usually with that comes the GI issues, right? It's very common. Um, and, but what I found looking at the, the, into the textbooks and thinking about what was actually going on, it just astounded me. It's, it's the unintended consequences of all this sugar. It's, it's not just the obvious insulin sugar hypothesis and, but what happens is when you're trying to do exercise, especially at a high level, the higher the level, the hotter the conditions, the less blood flow goes to your GI tract. In fact, on hot and humid conditions, your GI tract basically goes on sleep mode. Okay, so the blood flow to the to what's called the epithelium, which is this composed of villi, which line your GI tract. It's like a uh, a shag, a brand new shag rug going into your digestive tract. But I like to liken it to the canopy of a giant rainforest. Okay, so think of it that way. And that's what it is. And, and so the blood flows reduced, but then all of a sudden you give it all this sugar and it has to digest it on minimal blood. So it has minimal oxygen. So the, the oxidative stress is huge. And then um, what happens is it literally over time, you're like literally burning that rainforest canopy down, just like, you know, you've heard in like in Brazil. Right. And then, so when you do that, that big rainforest is what houses your biome. Yeah. Okay, all those epithelial cells, your biome resides in there. And so when you reduce that and you see scopes of people who have this and their their GI tract is inflamed and red, and this is what develops into Crohn's, celiacs, yeah, yeah. all the, yeah, diverticulitis, all these things. They're, it's inflammatory disease. But you burn down that rainforest and then you can't house that, that biome. So, so you're not only compromising your digestion not just for energy but nutrition but you're also exposing your immune system to a huge load now because you've you've removed those front the front line because having a, a really rich epithelial cell and then having a really rich and diverse biome that's your front line that that mitigates a lot of proteins and sugar and everything else before it gets into your system and your immune system has to deal with it. And so the immune, the autoimmune and autoimmune things are just profoundly huge too, and then as well as systemic inflammation. So it's like you really got to reduce what you take in when you're exercising. It's not that you shouldn't for performance, but but the amount you just don't need as much. But because and it's not just because. You'll perform just as much on less if you if you're fat adapted yeah. and you won't be doing that unintended damage. And the damage is I can't even begin to describe how profound that is. OK, so that was my that was like a huge epiphany for me. And, and we've worked to, you know, like I've worked with hundreds of athletes like this because it's so common. Right. Um, it's like. I can't remember what the what the statistic was, but it was like twenty seven percent of Ironman DNF 
27% of the Ironman starters or something DNF because they have GI issues. It's like GI issues are just huge. It's it's a huge problem. Yeah, not to mention the, you know, like um, inflammation that you'd get through your joints. Yeah. After, you know, gut issues first and then you said it would become well, systemic. It's a downstream, it's a downstream thing because if your digestive tract can't absorb that nutrition, then it's it's a it's a big problem downstream because and then you got the systemic inflammation, which adds to more inflammation. And then your joints, of course, are sort of like the canaries in the coal mine because they don't get the blood flow of other organs. So as soon as the inflammation starts starts, it it moves to the joints. And so it's it's really important. So that started this whole thing called OFM. We were working to, you know, I was working. What happened was I was doing it myself. And then I had this product I was selling, but then in supporting the athletes, OFM just be, grew to this, this support network of protocols and took on a life of its own. And, and in fact, we've had to split on, split it off because we were c- confusing people because a lot of people think, oh, if I use Vespa, I got to do this diet and do this and do that. It's like, no, you don't have to do anything. It's just that if you do do everything else, you're going to get a bigger, a lot bigger leverage off of it. And then a lot, another thing that probably needs to be clarified in this, this um, podcast is that because what we're doing is so innovative, people don't know what what we are, so they reference us as a keto diet or low carb. We're not keto or low carb because, once again, in today's world with the internet and modern communication, everything is bifurcated, right? You got here in this country, you got the Republicans, you got the Democrats, you got, you know, everything's an extreme and nobody has discussion in the middle. And it's like, like I was saying earlier about if you took a third or half or two thirds of the sugar out of a out of your diet, you still have plenty of uh, carbohydrates for the performance end. So people mistakenly pigeonhole us into the keto thing when we're we're not yeah, we're yeah. not a keto thing. We're not keto or low carb. Um, it's an individualized that, approach, right? Yeah, it's a very individualized approach, and we focus. Right. See, I focus this like this whole um, thing. I just spoke to you about the the epiphany. It's it just goes back to my basic biology because I'm not a I'm not a human biologist or an animal biologist. I was I was a plant science major at UC Davis, but you know we st- I was in the same basic ed classes as the pre meds and pre veg. But I I approach this. I finally figured it out, Sally. The reason I lose people they don't know what I'm talking about is I'm not coming to them on the front end with the stuff they can see and feel in terms of of the normal stuff they can identify with and they're familiar with. I'm coming from the back end, looking at the underlying stuff like fat metabolism and like what's happening on a cellular level, not what their time or their pace or their power is. Um, And we get get results that way because it's like I say, when you go to shop for a house, you don't see the foundation, right? But don't you want a good foundation? I love that analogy. That really works. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's what we're doing is we're building that cellular mitochondrial mm-hmm. foundation so that by building what I call metabolic capacity, it's building the mitochondria, building the cell walls. Um, I'm looking at 
from that level? And then what are the tools we use to do that? And one of them, you know, one of them is I'm, I'm very big on what I call whole animal eating. Yep. Okay. And it, it, once again, let's go back to that, what we're talking about with the digestive tract, mm -hmm. the human, when you do comparative anatomy, uh, comparative anatomical analysis between different animals, mammal species, humans, actually their digestive tract is of an omnivorous carnivore. We are not all true omnivores, actually. What I would consider a true omnivore would be a bear or a pig because of their, if you look at their digestive tract, they have a fairly big cecum and hindgut so yeah. they can handle omnivorous things, whereas humans are, are, are acid digesters and we don't have a cecum. We have an appendix, which is a very small remnant pouch of of, of the biome for the to have to inoculate the colon. And our colon is relatively short. People say, well, what about the great apes? And it says, well, you take a gorilla, for example. Okay, a gorilla's colon is twice as long and twice the diameter of a human's. And they're hindgut digesters. They have a large cecum. That's why they can exist on plants and twigs and leaves. And, and so when you look at, and so our digestive tract is actually closer to a dog's than a pig's. And so I'm big on that. Now, now I want to qualify. I'm not anti-vegetable, anti-plant. I'm not at all. And I'll explain some, some strategies we why we use them. But but that being said, um, so we are omnivorous carnivores. But the other thing I've seen, um, and it's been working with one, actually one of them is an Aussie, Lisa Ryan. She was a world-class master's track athlete. She was a vegetarian. So what we saw, but what I've seen in this, um, is that when you get that balance just right of animal nutrition, because humans are part of that apex predator, right? It's like I tell people, uh, when I'm, I tell my vegetarian friends humorously that I have my eyes in the front of my head, I have canine teeth, I only have one stomach. And so we're apex predators. And so, but when you, when we did, that being said, I'm not a guy, I don't like the way the carnivore movement is morphed because what I found working with athletes, when you get that nutritional balance just right, so you're eating some muscle meat, you're eating a little bit of organ meat, especially, and then you're eating a fair amount of skin and connective tissue to get the collagen. Yes. The amount of animal products you need to eat is so small, it's scary. We're very efficient. And if you look at the models of animals in the wild and what how much they eat and how much they do it's very similar to the athletes i have out there who are performing and when they perform they just they don't need that much for what they're putting out and even their daily life we're we're we are supremely efficient beings and when you get the nutritional balance in place it's it's key and and, and this is to a point when I was working with Lisa Ryan and a couple other vegetarian athletes, they were focused on their performance and health. And I got them to use your, the grassland nutrition liver kelp product plus some, some gelatin capsules. And every time they went, you know, their, their performance took off, their injuries disappeared. And that really got me thinking about how much do we really need? So, you know, this is where, like your product comes in great because most people in, in the Western world don't do liver, liver. I do liver. I just can't find good liver very often. So most of the time I'm, I'm actually, I actually take the grassland nutrition. That's great. 
That's right. Because it's because it's it's convenient. It's not it's not that I don't I, I do eat liver. I have like I'll eat menudo compata for the collagen pretty much every week because I can get it here in California because it's a very it's a traditional food of the, the Latin population. Mm-hmm. So I can get that, I can get my collagen yeah. bolus every week. Yeah. Um but we, you know, it's like you know, if you're eating fresh food, like people talk about nutritional density. Mm-hmm. And it's like if you're eating a whole foods diet, by definition, you're going to get nutritionally dense. It's really important to get the nutritional balance right. When that's when that's right, you don't have all that inflammation. You, your body's not hunting for the nutritional parts it needs, and everything works well. And of course, goes right back. It goes right back to that stomach and gut health, which is the third tier on our OFM pyramid. It's like that's a big part of it because your biome plays a key role in that nutritional absorption. Yeah, you're satiated and you don't crave. That's right. That's right. Needs. Yeah. And it really helps it really helps manage those hunger triggers. Mm-hmm. And, and and it's like it's it's not rocket science. I I I fully will admit that we were evolutionarily we have an overarching hunger trigger so whether you're sedentary or athletic we're made we're we're hardwired to eat more than we should because that's what got us lazy humans off our butts to hunt and gather because when you look at it look at us in the environment that shaped us it's perfect balance we needed that hunger trigger to balance out all the work we had to do to get the food and process the food right well we've changed the environment so now we've got this hunger trigger but you can attenuate it by staying active getting nutritional balance with whole foods and then i this is this is where i think vegetables are a remarkable tool it's like we allow with ofm you can have non-starchy vegetables ad libitum which means you can have as much as you want and 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 they are a great tool to use to fill you or up you know give you that volume of food in there to kind of really like slow you down during your regular uh, work and training day. Now for racing, you want to kind of back off on non-starchy vegetables because that might create some, some bathroom needs during the race or something. But, but, um, but in terms of helping to satiate you that with just the right amount of animal products and that, like I said, that whole animal eating thing where you're getting that right combination uh, makes makes a huge difference in how to manage your your hunger triggers you know um you know what and like i say you know the hyper palatable foods like the carbohydrates again step back in that evolutionary model it's like oh the reason we crave carbs is in the in that evolutionary framework it makes total sense i mean how often were were you know berries and fruit and tubers and honey how we we had those things three to five times a year and they were only ripe for a few days so we we're, we're hardwired to want to overeat them for that brief thing so it's like okay, this, right yeah. it makes total sense but in the in the environment that shaped us today it's our undoing very much right so. right uh, a lot of our that's the thing it's like one of the things i see is like a lot of our modern man-made construct has these unintended consequences that actually work against us. And it's about getting back to that natural, um, the, uh, you know, working in alignment with our modern world to kind of mimic that. It's like, like I say, 
I can't get most of my athletes to eat collagen rich foods and liver. So it's like, I, I put them onto the, to the grassland liver because it's, it's, it's absolutely, and I'm going to tell this to the, to your, to your audience, you guys have hands down the best liver product out there. Nobody, nobody can touch that liver and kelp product. Cause I look at it, I look at the marketing and it's like, yeah, grass fed New Zealand cows. I'm like, yeah, those are old dairy cows. Uh, and and you know it's like there's all this marketing hype yeah and so you know your company has taken that same it's the same care that vespa takes with manufacturing its product that we're producing the you know the finest products we can when we have to and these are all tools to help get you back into that natural balance yeah definitely i think that's what kind of brought us together um we're um about to launch a new range of products as well which we're really excited about but it always comes back to and i mean it's threaded through everything that you've said here that um we want to help to uh, bridge the gap in kind of modern day deficiencies predominantly um from our perspective it's the it's the b12 it's the iodine um but also tackling those kind of modern issues whether you know people have histamine issues um they're they're looking to bolster their cardio health and um but it's that it's that wholesome ancient traditional kind of way of living it's it's getting the early morning light it's you know absolutely we have all that stuff in in ofm we talk about circadian rhythm we get one of the key things i've seen this this happened early on like 2010 or 12 i did a deep dive into vitamin d and that's key to fat fat optimization if your vitamin d is low you're gonna be a very poor have a very poor ability to oxidize fat and i just found that the level that worked for me was 50 to 100 not 20 or 30 to 100 the standard medical reference ranges starts at 20 or 30 which and again, I did a deep dive, so nobody else has to. But when you look at the deep dive and look at the historical context, when these reference ranges were created, it was during the 20s and 30s when medicine was really taking off. But it was an industrialized age before refrigeration was available. And inner city people were having rickets, pellagra, preeclampsia, all of these vitamin D deficiency um, diseases. And the reference ranges to me, were, just, were enough to get people out of those being symptomatic, but optimal m- metabolism, they weren't. And what we found is athletes, once we got them to 50 or above, they, they just were able to burn fat like crazy. And, and to a point, it's interesting because in the last several years, because of the, what I call the panic-demic, um, the, there's been several papers published that consistently say that that 50 or above your your chances of having a serious viral infection of whatever sort are minimal you know and and that's a real that's kind of like well that's not surprising to me because it just seemed like we we saw this um threshold that 40 to 50 or suboptimal 50 and above your your optimal and anything below 40 is deficient in my book so Right. Um, so we're just drenched in blue light the whole time we're we're not getting enough sunlight and you know the mainstream message is you know the slip slop slap all the time yeah. um, and <laughs> it just needs to be so much more simple than that oh I, I agree but we don't live in that environment anymore I go out like you like right now in California the fall is just absolutely amazing right now and I go out in the morning and sit in the sun 
in my shorts and get as much sunlight. I would sit naked if I could, <laughs> but <laughs> but that's not exactly yeah, acceptable. Right. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, you know, I, I get you know the whole get get everything, get the junk and the perineum and everything uh, full of UVB and and all that, and get the full spectrum. I I'm totally with you on that, but it's like you you know you can't do it. So I used to be a I kind of waffled around with the vitamin D3 and it's like, I came to the conclusion that like, you know, for most people, it's about the only thing that's going to work because they don't, they're not going to get enough exposure to sunlight. Um, yeah. Because they, and, and then, then, but part, but co-committing with that, they have to have the metabolic machinery working because if their fat metabolism is good, if they're on a lot of glucose, they will, their, their skin will be very sensitive to sunlight. It'll be very fragile. Yeah. Um, and, I, and and so you have to have your metabolism working really well. You have to be well hydrated. So you're sweating and cooling yourself. So your skin cells don't get fried. Um, and these are all things that are uh, people just don't just don't realize. And there's been a lot of, you know, fear mongering about where people comes up and it's just I see this all the time when I'm out running in the mountains and these people are just all covered up and I'm like shorts and a shirt and shoes and I don't even wear a shirt half the time. And, and, and you're a pioneer and an innovator. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Well, I'm not, but, but here's Sally, this is the odd, this is the ironic thing. I don't feel like I'm an innovator, even though I am, because is even though I'm innovating with, with fat adaptation, I don't think I'm an innovator. I, I think of myself as somebody who's just trying to get back people back in alignment with the natural state of evolution as, as we evolved, you know, like, so that's all I think I'm doing, but yeah, it's, it's, it's trying to make it work within the context of the modern world, because it's, I'm not going to espouse us going out sleeping in the bush and, you know, running around naked and, making our own weapons and all that crazy stuff. I mean, yeah, I like, I like the modern world, but it's got those unintended consequences. So, but we have the, we have, because of our history, science, anthropology, all this stuff, we have the tools there. It's just sorting through it um, for each person. Every, everybody's an individual. We're all the same on a cellular level, but we're all different. It's because, because your cells cell biology among different species of animals and this is why vespa works is because cell biology on an animal scale our cells are 97 percent the same as the, the murder hornets so that's and that's how this all came about um so we're all the same there but those very variables that go into what those cells are going to do in terms of producing energy staying healthy how they're going to respond, respond to heat stress blah 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 that that's a that's a Rubik's cube. It's everybody's own individual Rubik's cube. So that's how OFM was developed because again, people are sold on a one-trick pony. Like you got to do this diet, right? Or you got to do this supplement or this training modality. I mean, it, we we tend to focus on one thing, and it's much easier to sell people on a very simple message, which is oversimplified. It's like I tell people. Are you a simple message? No. I mean, if I ask you, Sally, about your life, are you are you one dimensional? This is the Sally. You know, do we compartmentalize you into one little thing? No. It's it's got to be individualized and it's multi dimensional. So we've got Vespa. Sure, 
We've got whole animal eating. We use some vegetables in there to give us some nutrition and electrolytes, but it also to keep us full. We, we have to look at the vitamin D, circadian rhythm, um, chronic stress. I tell people chronic stress is as big a problem as overconsumption of carbohydrates because it does the same thing. It forces your body to burn sugar and it hormonally triggers you. So I could go on and on. And today in the modern world, there's EMF. People don't realize this thing here, your cell phone is creating radiation. If you put it, if you put it right, yeah, yeah and people don't realize putting it up to your ear is roulette in your blood and, and it, it, the impacts it, it, it has. And so we don't, we don't, we get sold on the convenience, but we don't get warned of the unintended consequences, right? So that's what I'm trying to do. So we look at it from a multifaceted approach to right. look at somebody's lifestyle, their their environment, look at maybe their periodontal health. Mm-hmm. You know, their what's it? What what the health of their mouth is huge. Yeah. Um, and so you you have to approach it in a comprehensive, multi-dimensional and dynamic way rather than you know one trick pony so sure i said i i i think vespa is one of the greatest products out there and it's it's actually so great that it's a, it's classified as a, be- a food-based beverage not even a dietary supplement but it's like it's one tool in the toolbox mm-hmm. you know and even like even like carbohydrate use it's like you need carbohydrates to perform and you need that performance to get the 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 hormone the the signaling to your body that it has to get stronger and fitter. This is why training effect, why people get stronger, fitter, faster, is that's the training effect from signaling of of your body to to respond to the exercise. That's why I'm I I, I really tell you know I call sed, being sedentary sedentarianism. It's a disease. It's a modern disease. Being sedentary, you got to be active, and I don't mean you have to go out and run a marathon or anything like that, but you got to be physically active. You know, if you're doing a job that's physically demanding as your day job, you probably don't need to find a sport or activity. But, you know, if you're not, you need to you need to find something where you're really highly active, much more than people realize. I think that people don't realize that. So, I mean, there's we can go on and on about all these facets, but we have a pyramid we made where it's called the fat adapted metabolic state so you're not burning you're not that's the that's the base and the second tier is nutrition not calories like i talked about with getting that nutritional balance right mm-hmm. on that fat adapted mm-hmm. base right so you're going to metabolize those into that nutrition and then you got stomach and gut health which as we discussed previously is is huge i mean it, people talk about the biome but it's it's just what we know is literally that tip of an iceberg of how much function the your your own stomach epithelium functions as, and then the biome, which is not you, not it's it is part of us, but it's really not part of us. The the bacteria, the fungi, and the archaea that, and we want to build as big and diverse biome. That's the third tier, and and then I think the fourth tier is like hydration, and then Vespa fits in there because it's it's just a great tool to shift that fat metabolism up uh, for, for the performance. And then we have, uh, or no, the fourth tier is lifestyle and training. And we, we make that as one tier, but in that tier, we, we, we separate it out. So training is one thing, lifestyle is another, but train, you know, and, and 
part of that training thing is to start by getting you once again going back to that base you're, you're burning fat for your aerobic energy not your glucose and then building that aerobic capacity to build metabolic capacity it's it's key and you can't do that on a keto diet because the problem with the keto diet is everybody knows is you can't perform you can go all day but you just can't get above a certain level because you downregulate your pyruvate dehydrogenase uh, enzyme to be able to access glucose to have those pushes. You need that push to signal to your cells, hey, I've got to build more mitochondria. I've got to make my cell wall more robust. You need that signal of, of constantly pushing in. And that's where carbohydrates, frankly, are, are necessary. Yeah? yeah. And then, you know, lifestyle, because as I said before, today's modern lifestyle, and you've mentioned it with, with circadian rhythm, uh, lack of exposure to sunlight or vitamin D, uh, chronic stress, yeah. um, the fact that we don't move because we've made it too easy for ourselves. Um, you know, I think, and, and to a point about that, a lot of today's modern devices, environment, however you want to put it, the, the man-made construct is pinging, is, it's actually pinging some very primitive fight-or-flight hardware yeah. That's wired, hardwired into us in ways it was never intended to do. Mm-hmm. And people have to recognize this. And I don't mean like, ah, you step back and say, oh, okay, it's not the tiger jumping out of the bush to eat me. It's not the warring tribe coming here to kill the men, rape the women, take the kids off as slaves. It's my cell phone going off with a text. But you see people literally have that pinging of their fight or flight thing over, over a text or if their cell phone isn't working. And I'm, I'm, I don't want to yeah. beat up on the cell phone, but but it's just one of, of several things in our modern environment that's that's causing us to burn glucose and why we, why we address it in OFM, because you're not going to burn fat if you're constantly having these pings. And they talk about the dopamine hit, blah, 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 but it's also pinging your glycolytic pathways. Yeah. So so that's it. And then we got hydration, which is also huge. Most people, whether they're sedentary or active, don't hydrate properly. They may be getting enough water, but not enough electrolytes, or they might not be getting enough fluid in general. I think a lot of the sedentary population doesn't get enough fluid. Um, I think hydration is is critical and it's getting fluid. It's getting enough electrolytes that are appropriate. Um, that that's a whole nother that's that's hours of talk. It's one of the most, but it is one of the most important yet dynamic mm. aspects of human health because it can change on a dime. And then, of course, there's strategic carbohydrates. There's Vespa, and then there's strategic carbohydrates. And like I said, I I don't deny my my athletes anything. They can have whatever they want, but they they learn by doing this that they don't need to have the pizza and beer all the time. Or they don't need to have the cake. But if they go to a if they go to their kids or grandkids' birthday party and there's cake and ice cream, they don't have to feel like they're the odd man out and not have a piece of cake and ice cream. And yeah. so they can. It's not going to be the end of the world. Or they can use those carbs strategically before race to give them that extra push that carbs are known for. And again, it's going to give them all, it's going to maximize the performance benefits, but minimize the downside impacts. And to a point, like my my approach to concentrated carb sources, I, I think of them as a legal PED, right? Performance enhancing drug. Yeah, yeah. A legal, a legal one, because because when you think when you look at them from a very pure objective standpoint, do they increase performance? Yes, absolutely. 
But are there, you know, are they addictive? Yes, right? You become physiologically addicted. And are there downside consequences to, to overuse of them? Absolutely. I mean, this is clear in the, and and but but what we've had happen, Sally, is we've normalized this madness. You know, going back to what I said at the beginning, 155 pounds of sugar over six months or 130 pounds if you're marathoning or doing a half Ironman, that's 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 a lot of sugar. Yeah. And but that's that's the normal recommended sports diet. Yeah, it's disgusting, really. I know that we've all got like a propensity to be um, sugar addicted. You you abstain for a while and you just get like the slightest um, sugary something. And, you know, you're instantly, you know, um, wanting wanting to go go back for more. What what would you say? Um, would you welcome um, kind of new athletes into your program? Yeah, is there is there a baseline for for entry? Well, no, there's really like really like they gotta they gotta be open to the idea is the first thing because sure. a lot of people just have a hard time with it because they're so I don't want to use the term brainwash, but I guess I'll use it. Their 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 perspective, their worldview is I need my carbs because they don't realize they're physiologically addicted to them. Yeah. Right. And so the, the way we get the way we do it is just try the best but you don't have to change anything just cut your carbs in half your fueling in half try the best but it'll work you know and then once they get that experience and they get the recovery because they're not like one of the things people notice about both vespa and ofm mm-hmm. is they recover on a level they have to experience to believe and that's because it's not because you actually recover faster it's because you haven't done the damage in the first place you have to recover from yeah. The oxidative stress, the lactate load, that all impacts you in a big way. And so when they get the, these, these experiences of no bonking, no GI issues and a really good recovery, then they're 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 interested in more. And that's 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 sort of the the gateway. Or, you know, a lot of times we have people who are who, who went the keto paleo route and then they're looking to get their performance back. Because like I said, they 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 lose that performance. It's like, well, yeah, I feel better, but I, I can't do it. And then we we start working with them on that level. And and here's the thing that's important for everybody, whether they're an athlete or just recreational and just want to get metabolically healthy. It's it's that um, within the context of all this, you have to see that. Um, like I get, let me get my thought here. Mm-hmm. Uh, where was I with this? No, um, shoot, I lost my train of thought. And this is this is kind of noteworthy. Um, God, where did I go with this? Um, it's it was like I blanked out. Um, so I was talking about the accessibility. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now I know what I was going to talk about. Okay. So, so what happens, what we've seen consistently happen with athletes as they go down that path, they start using Vespa. They're, they're not puking, bonking. They're recovering quickly. We start getting on OFM. What we see though, is when you see that huge reduction in systemic inflammation, you know, and it's well known that glucose and insulin cause a lot of systemic inflammation, right? Like you were talking earlier about the joints and 
And yep. just when you get that inflammation down, it's almost like it's auto-correcting because I've had athletes where I said, okay, we're going to reset you, metabolically reset you. And for the first couple of months, you're not going to eat any concentrated carbs. You can have potatoes, but you're not going to have bread, pasta, mm -hmm. you know, the usual rice, all that stuff. And then I'll tell them after, once they're really doing well and all that, I say, all right, go out, go out and have beer and pizza. And they'll come back to me and say, oh my God. It was fun while it lasted, but after that, I was inflamed, sick, bloated, arthritic, yeah, constipated. Yeah. You know, they tell me everything, right? And so that's the thing. You become so sensitized to those things that they don't wreck you, but you notice right away why you shouldn't be doing that all the time. And it sort of becomes sort of a lifestyle. And most of, well, not most, but everybody I've gotten converted over, once they get this working for them, they don't even think that they're not thinking about a diet because we teach people to be intuitive and then they just know what to do and gravitate to. And they know when to add the carbs in for training or racing. It's not, it's not, it's not like rocket science. Like I say, I'm not doing, I don't feel in essence that I'm doing anything innovative except helping people get back to that natural state. Our, our intuitive mind can handle these things way better than a conscious mind. We have this structure in your counting calories calculating macros and and looking at the foods you know organic or or grass-fed or pesticide i mean people yeah. are just freaking out with all this conscious thought and the same with the training i mean it's like we we evolved to be the supreme creatures we are and we had to get you know it's like i say primitive man didn't get up in the morning and make himself a bowl of porridge grab some gels grab a spear and go hunting no he got up in the morning and went hunting as if his life depended on it, right? And, and that's, you know, it, we, we, we evolved to be really physically supreme specimens. So, you know, and like to a point last week, I went and climbed Mount Whitney and I did it fasted on five Vespas and five pieces of candy. So 200 calories. I felt fine the whole 12 hours I was out there. And then I had a good meal after and it was, it was wonderful. Um, and so that's, that's kind of the, 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 picture we paint is like like if people can step back and look at that evolutionary model and and see that you know we're meant to burn fat as our normal energy source um and to a point uh let me go off on a little rabbit hole that's probably pretty important is we've done some testing to provide some of that data and we've got data now that shows i mean it's 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 cherry-picked data but i took a bunch of our athletes and we tested them, did VO2 maxes testing, and they all have their resting RMR, resting metabolic rate, they burn fat, all fat. And, and normal resting RMR, it's like if you burn three quarters fat, you're good, you're metabolically fit, you're considered metabolically fit. Well, we all burn fat 100%, unless we've had some carbs, which we have to burn off. If we haven't eaten or anything, we just burn, you burn fat. And then the data on the, the, the fat oxidation, I've got a couple of guys who are burning over, who can sustain for 10 or 15 minutes over two grams a minute, and they can burn a gram and a half all day long. They can just run burning. And that changes the paradigm because previous to the faster study, the body of science says the ceiling, the absolute ceiling of fat oxidation for humans was one gram a minute. And most athletes burned a half a gram or less. Faster showed that, oh, 
if you're fat adapted or keto adapted is what they call them, you can burn a gram and a half, keep fat oxidation, and most high carb athletes will burn around a half a gram. Well, our data, we knew there was more out there. So we did some testing and, you know, I've got athletes that are, that, that they'll burn a gram to a gram and a half all day long. And so you take, you take the previous science that, that most people burn a half a gram. Well, it makes total sense that you need extra calories and, and carbs are the quickest way to go. Um, but it has unintended consequence. But when you look at the science, look at the data we're showing, you go from a half a gram to a gram and a half. Well, all of a sudden that equation changes because, because, you know, as you know, fat is nine grams or more calories per gram versus carbs, which are four. It, you know, you can all of a sudden now for, for most of your aerobic spectrum of work, you can be fueling it with fat. And then the other thing that people need to realize to kind of finish up is like fat is not just your aerobic energy source, but fat metabolism is what drives all your metabolic processes to make your hormones, your enzymes, your cells. All your stuff that turns over is not a fat metabolism. Sugar, glucose metabolism is just an energy process to make quick energy. It doesn't provide anything, and it actually, you know, too much of it, like I said, causes oxidative stress and, and lactate load. So, so what's sorry, that? how can people get? Um, how can people see this data? I think that would uh, be. Really they can helpful. go to our site. We have a page up. It's not as complete as I want, um, and we have some presentations they can look at uh, on on how this data is done and. You can certainly post it if you want. I can get you the pages and stuff. Um, yeah, fantastic. I think if we pop that yeah. in the show links and just a kind of signpost to some of that data, just just as a continuation for people that actually want to see the study. Yeah. And that's that's another thing. It's like the man, man-made construct. I'm not against data. I'm not against the new technologies. But it's like I keep saying to people, the data corroborates the experience. It doesn't drive it. So all these athletes have been doing well. They know it works, but they didn't know just how well it works. I mean, they just knew they could go out and run for hours on very low calories. Well, they didn't trust their own innate system that, that, that they were doing that. But when we show them the data, it's like, oh, wow. And the problem is today we rely on the data, like, oh, you have to have the data. Well, if people are winning races and setting records and they're doing things on very little calories, you should trust your own intuition when it's work, when your metabolism is working properly, when you're not addicted to carbs, your, your, your body is, should be the primary thing. And, and things like glucose meters, VO2 max tests, aura rings, your, you know, heart rate, these should corroborate that experience, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. So you're basically educating your community and you're setting them up with the with the tools for kind of success to continue to grow stronger. Um, and it's I guess it's kind of we're always just kind of fine tuning that you have you just kind of building on that um, experience. Right. And it slows the aging process. What we found is that it slowed the aging process down to a crawl. I mean, we've got so many athletes in their 60s and 70s. And I've got some of my top athletes are in their 50s, like Jeff Browning's 52, and he's still one of the top 10 mountain ultra runners in the world, right? Peter Mortimer's in his 40s, and he has a full-time J job. 
I mean, these are people with real busy lives. And yet, you know, like Jeff's a perfect example, because in 2015, he was actually considering giving up ultra running because his stomach and gut was so bad. He had candida overgrowth. He was just, he was in terrible shape and it totally turned his career around. So, you know, this is, this is what we're seeing on a cellular level, this too many carbohydrates. I'm not saying no carbohydrates, low carb, keto, don't be scared of, you know, a teaspoon of sugar. I have sugar in my coffee every morning, but I'm also metabolically fit. It's like, it's not, it's not no carb, low carb. It's like too many carbs are going to have unintended consequences. And this is what we're trying to do is just build that metabolic capacity to where you know, a few carbs here and there aren't going to hurt you. And then on race day, when you when you need to burn a few matches, you can, you know, and, and then you can rebuild and, and just keep going. And it's 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 just, you know, it's the way to me, all we're, I'm just we're just doing what we're meant to do. And it's just getting back to that baddest fuel. But it's it's a big it's been a big uphill battle and I'm in it for the long run. But it's because it's just people have been so entrained into they need all these carbs to perform. Yeah. It's just not that way. And and like I said, you know, fat plays such a huge role in everything, but it's, it's again, multidimensional. Yeah. And and I think yeah. that multidimensional approach. Indiv- is- multidimensional and individualized. So the, so as an audience, we have the information. I work closely with the people at Grassland Nutrition because they are so dedicated to the quality of the products they produce um you know that's the that's the whole thing is like find good quality people um we're not as as kel and and simon and you know we're not in it for the money we we need to make a profit to stay in business and grow our businesses but we're definitely not in it for the money because these products whether it's vespa or the grassland nutrition products they're just not they're just not cheap to make you know Correct. And yeah, I think, you know, with the new product development that that we're undertaking, it's got to make sense. It's got to sit with our value system. Yeah, it's not a case yes. of must bring out lots more products because that's what everyone else is doing. And Kel always yeah. by the we don't want to run behind anyone else. You know, we've been around no. we, we we established in 2016 with, you know, we're we were one of the newcomers. But I mean, that's the material. I think you know, we exist to help people with modern day deficiencies and That's right. to have that multifaceted approach to um, to their lifestyle, to their longevity. Uh, and um, I know that, you know, um, Olaf really quite well, um, who's in the team too. And yep. he, um, he's been doing, following this metabolic um, health um, pathway for, probably about a decade now and he's really thriving on that and we 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 learn every day yeah? yeah uh and it's really invigorating to know that there's so much more out there and you know you've clearly got so much knowledge so it's it's really awesome to be able to talk to you today and i know that we found each other a number of years ago now um and it's great that we're still kind of collaborating and you're still oh well i i think it's we're going to grow that that partnership but you know it's like also for the audience that's part of that partnership is with you and you you know it's like we're not here to tell you what to do or just give you a product. It's like, you got to take the reins. This is, 
part of this is not just metabolic empowerment, but personal empowerment, because like I said, it's individualized and you got to figure it out. Part of it, you got to figure out for yourself. You need a good source of information. But I think a lot of people have gotten just so entrained into being told what to do and the convenience of, of oh, this system or this diet. It's like, no, you got to create this. You got a Rubik's cube of who you are. And just like Kel says, we're not going to follow anybody's footsteps. You can't follow. Nobody can follow anybody's footsteps. You got to, at a certain point, we're all the same. We're all different. But that last mile you got to do, and, you know, we're all here at, we're here to help. I mean, I'm here to help. You're here. Your grassland nutrition is here to help. And, and, you know, we're, we're not compromising on our products or services to do that. So thanks again, Sally. Oh, no, thank you. And I think the most rewarding things in life come with effort. Yeah. Oh yeah. That that's, that's exactly it. And and I think people have been lulled into this convenience and it just makes you vulnerable to, you know, mind control but but then you just get your money they take your money and give you less of a product i mean there's so many products out there they're just i, I just marvel at how good their presentations and websites are and it's like <laughs> i wish i could do that but it's like i i read i start i'm the guy that reads labels and looks at it and thinks that's so like well, what does this really do yeah yeah you know quality over quantity and like i wholeheartedly agree with you well yeah and it's like in the last couple of years they've started pushing carbs even harder because they've come up with these new formulations of gels and other products that get the glucose in your system faster and i'm like this is insanity upon insanity and it's that's that's in that's what i call incremental innovation what we're doing is disruptive because we're disrupting that 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 conventional carbohydrate thing they're innovating in terms of incrementally making getting carbohydrates in but it's just it's just not going to end well and they've they've actually upped those recommendations where some people are taking 140 or more grams an hour it's just yeah it's just crazy that's so high risk yeah Yeah, it's not going to end well sometime they may they might win a race on that or something but that's not going to end well long term No. no not at all yeah. All right. I have one final question for you, Peter. If if sure. I uh, what's coming up for you with OFM? Well, we're trying to get our OFM site better organized. Like I said, we bifurcated the products into the Vespa Power site, which which includes the Grassland Nutrition, and then we've got the OFM, which is our information programs, coaching, consulting, and we're in the process of of you know trying to get our, our content lined out, get our, get a coaching program going. So people who are training people now can, can co-opt our metabolic side with some support tools that'll allow them to streamline it without, you know, we, we, we provide all that stuff that we're all the same. And then they learn to be coached so they can provide that special sauce so they can individualize their person. So we're working on that right now. And, um, we're finally starting to see some some interest from the triathlon community. We think that that's going to be quite good. And we're seeing the resistance to what we're doing come down um, a little bit. I think people are starting to become more aware that metabolic health matters. I mean, it certainly has. It certainly was obvious to me three years ago when this whole thing started. I thought, oh, this is as a, as a coronavirus goes, this is kind of run of the mill. But because it's so transmissible, a lot more people can get it. And, and the, the data is pretty clear on that. I mean, very clear on that, that if you weren't metabolically healthy, 
your metabolic compromise, you're going to have a bad outcome. So I think that people are starting to become aware that, that you know, they got to take responsibility for their health or at least a certain segment of people. Yeah. 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 And, and those are the kind of people that we want to appeal to and have yeah. an opportunity to. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, this has been a pleasure. Uh, it really has. Thank you. Um, you've taught me a whole whole heap. <laughs> to go sure. Uh, more than happy to talk, chat with you any other time if your audience decides they want to listen to us go back and forth on stuff. Oh, thank you, Peter. Really, really appreciate it. I think you'll agree. Peter is pushing the boundaries of human health and performance with his holistic approach. The data he has gathered from working with thousands of athletes, helping people find their best performing selves intuitively, fueling with fat and running a fat metabolism over standard methods, as we've discussed here. Check out the show notes for study information and to connect with Peter directly and hope to see you next time. Thanks. Thank you for tuning in to the Grassroots Matters podcast. If you've enjoyed what you've heard today, please feel free to rate, subscribe, or leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. That helps others find the show, and we greatly appreciate it. Once again, thanks for joining us, and we hope you'll come back again for the next episode.